Amen, church. I hope you've had a good weekend. Uh, we're going to be in John chapter 1. You can go on and turn there in your Bibles. We'll have some of the uh, scriptures up on the wall as well. Um, but I want to begin kind of like a little mini message before we get to the meat, all right? So uh, point number four is where we're actually going to dive into our message. But I guess one of the things I want to share with you first, I don't know if you guys remember March 8th. March 8th was a glorious day. March 8th was the last day we got to come to church without masks, hand sanitizer, even crossing our mind, right? Like we didn't even think about uh, what might happen. And so anyway, we're, 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 we want to get back there, right? We're, we're, we're so anxious. We want to pray that God gets us back there as soon as we can. But until then, we want to be as safe as we can. And so that's why we've, we've communicated with you guys as, uh, in the ways that we have. But over the last four and a half months, so much has changed, Right? I mean, like, we can't even go to the restaurant the way we used to, right? I mean, everything, so much stuff. How many of you have done grocery pickup for the first time since March? Okay, some of y'all are afraid to raise your hands. I don't know why. The first service was afraid to. It's okay. Grocery pickup's fine. It's good. It's not a sin. I promise you. Um, drive throughs and deliveries have become eating out for a period, right? Now restaurants are opening back up and we start getting back to that. But for a while it seemed like everything in our culture uh, that we know and love was coming undone. And, and that bled into the church, right? It still bleeds into the church. And we can't do everything that we want to do as a church. And even as individual Christians, there are some things that we've had to back off of a little bit um, during this time. But there are some things that we cannot back off of that we've got to keep the foot on the throttle. And, we, and I'm telling you as your pastor that I haven't. There have been times where I've eased off of this personally and as the church. But I'm telling you now we're easing back on the throttle. And so that's why you're getting this pre-message message today. Okay, There's some things that the Bible says we've got to be about. The first one for us as individuals, personal study and prayer. For some reason, I don't know if it's all the stuff you see on the Facebook and news or whatever, but I have found myself distracted over the last four and a half months and haven't been who I needed to be. And I haven't been in the Word as often as I should. I haven't been had the prayer life that I need to have. Anybody say, oh, me? Some of y'all, okay. And some of you not. That's okay. Listen, I need somebody to look. Like I, need, I needed to know this morning that that's not okay. Because I have failed in that too. And I'm looking at you now telling you it's not okay. It's not okay for us to make the excuse that, well, times are crazy. No, you're at home probably more than you ever are. Open your Bible and study it, right? We have no excuse to not be diving into God's word. Point number two is something for us as a church. It's worship. Guys, worship is mandated in God's word as a way in which we, 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 we honor the name of the Lord. The word church in the New Testament assumes that you're gathering. And yes, I'm not, some folks are watching online. We're so glad that we spent thousands of dollars so that you can do that. That's why we did it. Because we wanted, if you didn't feel comfortable, to be able to stay at home and worship Along with us, we believe that's still gathering. It's not ideal and it's not the situation that we would hope for, but it's still gathering. And if any of you showing symptoms of COVID, stay home and watch us online and worship with us, right? You've been exposed. If you got all, just stay home, but worship with us. It is not okay for you to go a week without worshiping with your church family. We need this. We're going to prioritize this. You're going to hear me talk. I've been kind of cautious and uh, it's on now. 
You need to be worshiping with us in person or on the video, all right? Groups. Here at East, we say you need to do three things. If you do these three things, man, we are getting after it as a church. We want to gather, we want to group, and we want to move. And we prioritize groups. Is groups mandated in the Bible? Not really, but kind of, okay? Groups, what we believe here at East is that life transformation happens most effectively in circles, not in rows. And what that means is that you need a group. And I know our group, we've tried a hundred different things in the last four months to try to make groups work, and it's just not working. But what we're asking you to do is to be a part of a group. It's not ideal. It's not in a small room sitting together for the most part, but you still need a group of people that you're studying God's word with that you can ask questions and you can have conversations with. LindsayLaneEast.org slash groups. You need to sign up for a group today if you call East Home. We need to get this going again. We're stepping back on the throttle. And number four, this is where we're settling in today, evangelism. Y'all, there is no excuse for us to step off of that just because of a virus, right? I get it. It's a weird time. The person that you sit down with, you don't know. They're somewhere on the spectrum. They're somewhere on the spectrum from scared to death to it's all a government cover-up, right? <laughs> that's, that's the spectrum that every single person that you come in contact with, they're somewhere between conspiracy and scared to death. And you don't know that. And so you're fearful, you don't want to step in, or maybe you've got a mask on and you look crazy and you're afraid that that's going to weird them out. Listen, I know it's hard to talk with others about Jesus, especially during this time, but I'm here to declare to myself first And then to all of you, God doesn't give us a pass on evangelism simply because of the times we're in. He can't, he doesn't. Like the early church was evangelizing when they were being killed for it. Right? The the bar is a high for for this. And so we need to step into that. Listen, this is a question I asked the first service. I want to ask you, has God's life-changing power through the message of the gospel gone into quarantine? No, God's power is on go all the time. He's ready and willing to save. He's ready and willing to pour out his power into the lives of people who would trust in his name. They're not going to believe unless they hear. Romans 10. So you and I are that. God still wants us, even in the midst of whatever you got going on, what your life looks like now, He still wants and expects his children who have been saved by the blood of Jesus to tell others how they can be saved too. So this week, we're going to try and debunk some of the fears that you have about evangelism. And next week, we're going to have much more of a workshop Q&A, like a laid-back time where I'm going to show you a very simple method framework for sharing your faith with other people and let you ask questions. We're going to talk about it. It's going to be really cool, but that's next week. But this morning, what I hope you see from Scripture is that sharing Jesus is simple, okay? The fear that we have that keeps us from it is silly, and we need to step on it and send it back to the devil, okay? <laughs> that's what we need to do. So that's what we're going to see uh, today. So if you've got a Bible, John chapter 1 is where we're going to be. Uh, at the very beginning of John 1, we get introduced to uh, the Word, who is Jesus. It's a picture of Jesus that's really unique to the Gospel of John. It's really, really cool. But then we get introduced to this guy named John the Baptist. John the Baptist, um, he was not a Methodist. Uh, he was not a Baptist either, okay? So it doesn't have to do with his denomination. What it meant was that he baptizes. 
So I'm going to call him today John the Baptizer because that ends all the confusion. Okay, John the Baptizer. He's not the one who wrote the Gospel of John that you just opened up to or you're reading off the screen here in a second. That's not this John. That was a John who followed Jesus, uh, one of his apostles. But any time in the Gospel of John that you see the name John, it's referring to John the Baptizer, okay? And so this is a guy who, he's wild-eyed, he lives off the land, he preaches for the people of God to repent and be baptized. He's also Jesus' cousin. And at one point, he actually gets to baptize the Savior of the world, which would just be the tops, right? <laughs> be incredible. And so if anything's holding you back from being baptized, stop. Jesus himself was baptized, so we all need to get there too, all right? Um, we'd love to talk with you about that. But anyway, if it's John the baptizer that this section of John 1 that we're going to look at, John 1 beginning in verse 35, okay? That's, we're opening up with John the baptizer. I'm going to read it in its entirety. Y'all know how I like to do this. I'm going to read it all. We'll pray, and then, uh, then we'll come back and look at it. The next day, John was standing with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, Look, the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this and followed Jesus. When they turned and noticed them, when Jesus turned and noticed them following him, he asked them, what are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and you'll see, he said. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Uh, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard John and followed him. He first found his own brother, Simon, and told him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought Simon to Jesus. When Simon saw him, he said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. And the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. He found Philip and told him, Follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter, who we've already heard about. Philip found Nathaniel, who was obviously a friend, and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and so did the prophets, Jesus, the son of Joseph, from Nazareth. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Nathaniel asked him. Come and see, Philip answered. Let's pray. Uh, God, we've already talked about so many things, and... Um, God, I pray uh, that the church hears my heart today, God, from you, because this is things that you've laid on my heart today, uh, this week. God, as I've been studying, I pray that today, um, God, you, uh, you speak through me, and God, that each of us leave here with a better understanding of what evangelism is and why we should do it, Father. We trust you, and we lay all this at your feet. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning, we're going to look at two things evangelism is, and we're going to look at one thing evangelism is not, Okay. Uh, so note takers in the room, I know where you are. Evangelism, number one, evangelism is telling people what you know about Jesus. That's what we see John the Baptist do. What is John, he's got his own disciples who are following him and he sees Jesus walk by. What John doesn't do is dive off into a theological argument, a theological uh, discourse about why they should follow Jesus. What does he say? Look the Lamb of God. Y'all, up until this point, that's all he knows. <laughs> he doesn't know. This is his cousin. He watched, I mean, they probably had some interaction early. He's still trying to figure out why God would use his redneck cousin, right, to be the Savior of the world. He knows very little about Jesus, but what he does know, look, the Lamb of God. And that's enough. Two disciples begin to follow him. John simply shared what he knew to be true about Jesus, and people stepped out and followed him. 
Now, the, the reason why I bring that up and why I believe it's in the scripture as a testimony to us is because I've heard the excuse. I can't share my faith because I'm not a scholar. Man, I don't know a lot about the Bible. Either I'm a new Christian or I just don't learn well, <laughs> right? Whatever the case. Um, you know, I, I, how can I share with confidence? Well, I'll tell you, Christians have lost the right to that excuse. Have y'all been on Facebook lately? Christians have no problem sharing their thoughts about something they don't know everything about. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? We got no problem sharing our thoughts about uh, politics, about a brand new virus that doctors don't even know a lot about, whether schools should open, how effective masks are, right? Like we, the list could go on and on. We've all got an opinion and we'll blast it on Facebook, but then we're going to make the excuse that I can't share Jesus because I don't know enough. Good, not God help us. <laughs> right? Church, this is not what God has got. That's why I think John's testimony is here. Just, just behold the Lamb of God. That's all I know. If you're, if you're willing to share about politics and health care necessities without knowing everything there is to know, then we can share about Jesus too. And what John says is, look, the Lamb of God, that's all he said. He knew nothing more than Jesus than this statement. But when he shared it, two lives were changed and they began to follow Jesus. And one of them was Andrew. So we can, you know, if, you, if you're there, if you say, Man, that's my excuse for sure and you're hitting the nail on the head, you don't have to know everything about Jesus because I don't either. I've been a Christian for 25 years, 26 years. I'm a pastor. been in ministry for 11 years. And I still don't know everything there is to know about Jesus. But what I can do is share what I do know with those that I encounter. Do you know why he died? Do you know how he died? Have you seen him make an impact in your life? Have you seen a relationship with God through Jesus Christ change the way you live? That's all. That's it. That's all you need. This is what changes people's lives. If you know these things, you know more than John the Baptist. So don't be afraid to share, because what you share will make an impact. So evangelism is telling people what you know about Jesus. So the story goes on from here. One of the, John's disciples who actually begins to follow Jesus is named Andrew, and he goes and spends the day with Jesus. We don't know what happened there in that conversation, but we know that he leaves there totally convinced that Jesus is the Messiah. He's for sure. So much so that he immediately goes and finds his brother and tells him, about Jesus. And so that leads to our second point. For your note taker folks, evangelism is inviting people to meet Jesus. Y'all, Andrew is only mentioned three times in the gospel according to John. Three times. You know what he's doing every single time? He's bringing people to Jesus. Every single time in the God. What a testimony to be known for. Right? I had I had students in our youth group uh, when I was in student ministry. And man, I I don't know if they were just ridiculously popular, but every Wednesday night they were introducing me to a new friend. Hey, this is my friend Joe. This is my friend. How many friends do you have? But they were con she was constant because what I told her is you bring your friend to church and I'll share Jesus from the stage. And so she was, that's what she was doing. She was bringing friends that she didn't know if they knew Jesus. She wanted them to come hear the gospel of Jesus. She was constantly bringing people to Jesus. And that's what Andrew was. Look at what he does. Verse 41, he first found his own brother Simon and told him, we have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. 
Messiah is the Old Testament Hebrew word. Um, Christ is the Greek word that, that we see kind of through the rest of the New Testament. And he brought Simon to Jesus. Y'all, this is what evangelism is. It's bringing people to Jesus. It's, a, it's not a good analogy. Like, a, like when you're trying to hook two people up, right? Like, you're like, hey, you guys will be perfect for each other, right? And you're, remember the Moses message we talked about a couple of weeks ago? He was a mediator between God and man. That's what you do when you're matchmaking, right? You're like, dude, these two people will be awesome together. And you introduce them, and then you just back away. Now, what you don't get to do is at the ceremony stand between them again, right? In that moment, it's up to them. At that moment, you're introducing them, and then your hands are off. You can't do anything else about that. That's what, uh, that's what Andrew does here. He brings Peter to Jesus. He doesn't know if Peter's going to walk up and slap him and walk away or if he's going to be convinced too. And see, so you and I, we don't have Jesus down the street to go introduce him, people to physically. But when we tell people about who Jesus is, that's what we're doing. We're introducing them to who Jesus is and what he's done. And after that, it's not up to you. It's on them. It's between them and God at that moment. Our mistake is thinking that they are rejecting or accepting us. And that's why I've talked about, hey, I'm just, I just hate rejection because it makes me feel like middle school again, right? When you wanted to ask that girl out and you were nervous and you did it anyway, right? And she's turned you down, right? That's a terrible feeling. None of us like to be rejected. And, and to be rejected in such a serious matter like this can, can weigh heavy on us. But look, you're not trying to win an argument when you share Jesus with somebody. You're not out on a sales call, right? You're telling them that you're introducing them to Jesus, and it's not on you if they reject. When I was in student ministry, um, like I say, we had students who would bring their friends all the time, and they would always warn me, hey, I've got a friend coming, and she doesn't know Jesus. I was like, gotcha, you know. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to be very clear in the gospel tonight, and uh, not that I wasn't normally clear, but anyway. I would go over the top and share and, and give them an opportunity to respond. And there was this one girl, I remember she came up to me and she said, hey, I've got a friend tonight. I was like, awesome. And so I, I mean, I, I get to the end and uh, I share the gospel as clearly as I know how. And then the friend comes up to me at the end and she says, hey, she wants to talk to you. And I was like, about what? And she said, I think she wants to get saved. And I was like, let's do this. You know, and I'm walking out like... Uh, a Terminator or something. I don't know why that came to my mind. But I'm like, I'm so pumped about it, right? And I'm walking over towards her and I got my Bible in my hand and I'm pumped. And I begin to share with her uh, uh, about what God has done in my life and how I was dead in sin, but God raised me up to new life through the, life, through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I show her how she can respond in faith. And then she looks at me, confused. So I take it back, right? And I, I repackage it. <laughs> I said, okay, um, it's like a gift. See, like, you can't earn this. It's a, it's a gift of God. Grace is a gift of God that comes, and I go through this whole thing, and then I, and I show her how to respond, and she just looks at me again. I'm like, okay, y'all, for 45 minutes. I took it back, and I offered it, and I took it back, <laughs> and I offered it, and I kept going and going because I knew this girl had come to me and said she wanted to talk about Jesus, so I was like, bye, George. We're saving her before we get out of here, right? <laughs> that's, that's where I'm at, and I keep trying. And seriously, for 45 minutes, students are gathered around. They're like, Keith's head's going to explode. This is incredible. And I continue to go, and at the end, I'm exhausted. I'm, I'm needing water, right? Like, my mouth is dry, and I, I, just, I just I remember uh, just telling her, look, I've showed you 
I've told you over and over again the difference Christ has made in my life. I've shown you from the scriptures how you can respond in faith. Is that something you would like to do today? And I'll never forget what she told me. No. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? Like I could, have, I could have watched two episodes of The Office in this amount of time, right? Like I just spent 45 minutes... Like, this is a long time. I was tired, and I was just ready to go to bed. But in that moment, I, I, I took it very personal. I was like, man, did I mess something up? Like, did I not communicate something clearly? But what I recognize is that it's not on me. She wasn't rejecting me. I showed her the gospel as best I knew how. And at the end of the day, I introduced her to Jesus, and I showed her how she could respond, and then I backed away. This is our job. I know you hate to say, see people say no to him, but sometimes they will. And that doesn't count as an L on your permanent record. <laughs> right? That doesn't go as an L in your scorebook. But listen, in the same way, you don't get a W when they accept. You get that? Because again, we're just introducing them. If somebody accepts Jesus Christ after we introduce them, it's awesome and we want to celebrate and we do feel good about it. Okay, it's okay to feel good about it. But at the end of the day, if they were surrendered to Christ, it's because God was in the midst of it and they repented and believed. God was calling, they repented and believed. That's what happens. That's between them and God. You and I are just here as matchmakers to introduce people. And if we can see our role at such a simple task and not take rejection so personal, I think we'll be much more likely to share our faith. Well, evangelism is telling people what you know about Jesus. It's inviting them to meet Jesus. But there's another thing that evangelism is not. Evangelism is not having all the answers. And that's one that we struggle with, isn't it? Look at verse 45. Uh, Philip, so uh, look at verse 44. It won't be on the screen. But now Philip was from Bethsaida, the hometown of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and all the prophets. Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nathaniel says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip answered, come and see. So after meeting Jesus himself, Philip goes to tell his friend Nathaniel. And what does he tell him? We have found the one that Moses wrote about in the law and all the prophets wrote about. Just a little plug. That's what we've been doing the last six weeks. You realize that, right? That's what we've been doing in here every single week. We've been taking these Old Testament stories that you thought were about Moses, that you thought were about Abraham and Noah and, and David, and, to, and I showed you that those all point forward to Jesus. What, what, what Philip is saying here is that he's now seeing Jesus through that lens. The entire Old Testament is pointing forward to him. But Nathaniel's not happy with the, the statement because he, he says that Jesus is from Nazareth. All right. Um, I've heard it said, um, and I think it's partially true, that Nathaniel said this because Nazareth, is Nazareth, and when you've said it a lot in one day, it's hard to keep saying it. Nazareth was a redneck, goofy town. All right? Like that, and that's partially true. It was an unimportant town in the big scheme of things. And that uh, most guys will say it's supposed to be like a slam against against the hometown it's like when people when i tell people i'm from ardmore they're like oh what does that mean some of y'all done that y'all don't know it but it hurt me okay 
You can send me a card later. All right. Um, but as I was studying this week, what I realized, and studying and reading what other guys were saying about this and just studying for myself, that there is another reason for the comment that's really important. Nathaniel was a young Jewish guy who knew the Old Testament well. He wasn't like one of the learned guys who was sitting under the, directly under the, uh, the teaching of the rabbis and things, but he had grown up in the Jewish culture, and he knew the Old Testament. He'd heard it, he had heard it read over and over and over again, and what he knew is that there was no evidence in the whole Old Testament that the Messiah would come from Nazareth. And so that frames this totally different. Nathaniel may not be making a slam against Nazareth. What he may be saying is, hey, point to me in the scriptures, bud, where it says the Messiah is coming from Nazareth. Right? It's more of a theological question. He's asking that. He's saying, hey, in fact, Nazareth isn't even mentioned in the Old Testament. So it may have been a slam against the podunkness of Nazareth, but it was arguably more likely a theological question. Listen, that Philip didn't know the answer to. Right? He doesn't answer, well, let me just, he says, come and see. See, Philip wasn't afraid of the question. Philip wasn't afraid to say, I don't know, man. Just come meet the guy. Right? That's what he said. Come meet the guy. Philip didn't know yet that Jesus, when Jesus was born, his family had migrated to Bethlehem for a census the city of David, where the Messiah would come from. So Jesus himself was born in Bethlehem, not in Nazareth, as the prophecies had foretold. And Philip didn't know about all the other prophecies that were already heaping up in Jesus' life, pointing that this is the Messiah. But he doesn't let it bother him. He doesn't even check up. He just says, I don't know. (laughs) Just come and see. Come check it out. When you were sharing with folks... They will have questions. Very few people that I've shared Jesus with just go, yeah, I'm ready. You know, most people are going to have at least one question or two or sometimes a hundred. And you might not know how to answer them. It's okay. God's still going to use your conversation to impact their life. I met with a, a guy who was very skeptical back in February. I had met him and he had wanted to ask me some questions. I was like, all right. Let's go. I jumped on the front end, though. I was like, hey, man, let me tell you what Jesus has done for me. I began to talk to him about my relationship with Christ and how he had impacted me and how I'd grown up and, and all these things. And, and uh, this was, um, and it, it was going well, I thought, but I said, okay, now it's time for questions. But before you even ask one, let me just say, I'm not very smart. I've studied the Bible a lot of years, but there's still so many things I don't know. And I said, if you ask me a question I don't know, I'm going to do my best to find it and get back with you. I said, you're probably also going to have other questions that I'm not going to be able to find the answer to. I said, open, I, held, I held God's word in my hand. I said, God didn't write his word to answer every question that might be on our heart. God gave us his word to reveal to us what he wanted us to know. And I said, so there are going to be questions that you've experienced in your life or things that you've seen or just thoughts that are in your mind, and I may not be able to give you the answer you want. I said, and that's what faith is. It's not dumb. It's it's educated. You can can ask all the questions you want. I'll I'll get you every answer I can find. But at the end of the day, it's going to take faith and trusting that Jesus is going to hold you up even when we fall. And I said, now, give me your questions, (laughs) right? 
And it was hard to admit that because I don't like not knowing the answer. I don't like not having answers. When you come to me, especially if it's a biblical answer, and I know you know I'm your pastor, and I, like, I want to be able to give you an answer, but at the end of the day, like that's pride, right? That's pride. And so for us as, as Christians, we've got to share with people when we can't use the excuse that I, what if they ask a question I don't know the answer to? You just say, I don't know, man. I believed without knowing the answer to that question. You can too. All right. I'm going to share a scripture with you that helps me. Deuteronomy 29, 29. Moses gives this to the people of Israel. The hidden things belong to the Lord our God, but the revealed things belong to us and our children forever so that we may follow all the words of the law. Right? What does that mean? It means there's some things that God ain't revealed to us, and you've got to be okay with it. But he has revealed other things, and that's what we need to focus on, right? We can speculate and talk about all the things the Bible doesn't spell out for us clearly. You can buy me coffee sometime, and we'll talk about those things. I like talking about those things. I don't like buying my own coffee and talking about those things, but if you buy my coffee, well, anyway. <laughs> but this passage was a reminder to the Israelites, and I believe it still exists in the Scripture as a reminder to us to focus on the things that have been revealed. Because there are enough absolutes in the Bible to keep us busy talking, growing, and obeying for multiple generations. Right? I mean, there's enough in there to keep us busy. So, evangelism is telling people what you know about Jesus, inviting them to meet Jesus, and not being worried about having all the answers. Look, this is what evangelism is. And I don't know what narrative from the mouth of Satan you have bought into. But God wants you and has equipped you to share your faith. Any fear that you have is from the evil one. And we need to call it out for what it is and trust in God. And I'm telling you, I'm... I struggle with this, okay? I don't like rejection either. I don't have all the answers either. I don't think, I think sometimes I don't know enough. So evangelism may seem to you like something you cannot do. I am telling you today from the scriptures, you can. You may feel ill-equipped, but what I hope this passage has taught you that it is it's very simple. Tell people what you know. Invite them to meet Jesus and don't worry about having all the answers. That's it. It's so simple, you can even do it during crazy times when you can't sit together or you got to do it through a mask. Like it, There's no hindrance. There's no earthly hindrance to sharing Jesus. So here's what I'm asking all of us to do today, and me included. I'm asking you to pray. Patrick's going to come on up, and he's going to begin to play um, and maybe even sing if he wanted to kind of softly. Um, um, here's what I'm asking you to do I'm asking you to ask God this week I know one of these fears is probably something that, that hit you Okay, here's what I'm asking each one of us to do is God give us an opportunity to have a simple conversation this week about Jesus and I'm not saying again it's not some big long thing it's sharing with a coworker, just something that Christ did for you this week 
It's sharing with them something from God's word. It's sharing with them the impact that salvation has had on your life or your family or your marriage or your kids or whatever. Right? It's talking about the church. It's talking about like how the difference the church has made in your life. Right? These are things that God has called us to do. Maybe a little lower on the guitar. Oh, if it's loud, it's loud up here. A little bit lower on the guitar. You got it. It's just the monitor. Okay, all right, here we go. So, here's what I'm asking you to do. Bow your heads right where you are. You can pray this as a family. You can pray this as individuals. But I'm asking each one of us. We did with this first service. I'm doing it online right now. Like, if you're watching online, like, and, like, pray this prayer right where you are. Let's all bow our heads, close our eyes, and let's pray this. God, give us an opportunity this week to have a simple conversation about Jesus. Pray that God would open doors of conversations, talk about God, salvation, church, whatever else you can with your family, coworkers, friends, and neighbors. Let's pray that prayer together. God opens the door for you to have an, a conversation this week, let us know. Uh, let us know how it went. Email me or Greg this week just to tell us about it. Because uh, next week, again, we're going to be talking about evangelism again. We want to be able to share some of the stories that you guys have already had this week. So email us, Heath at, at Lindsay Lane and Greg at Lindsay Lane. Uh, we want to share some of those stories next week. But you guys look up here at me right quick. Um, if you're still praying, you can keep praying. But uh, a few other things. Man, um, if, if God, this week, we had a lady reach out to us who's been watching online, probably watching today. Hey, what's up? She has been watching online, had come before all this started, but she wanted to join the church. Praise God for that. Like, she thought enough of you and me to say, I've gotten to know them a little bit, and I still want to join this church. Man, we're so thankful. We celebrate with that decision. Um, and so some of you, you may want to talk about joining the church today. We're going to have two counselors at the back, like we always do. And you can also come forward and talk to me during this time of response. If you want to, uh, if you want to like to make this your church home, we'd love to talk with you about that. Some of you, man, the water, I'm going to tell you all what, the waters behind us have been way too still. I'm ready to see some movement. And that's what we've been praying as a church right now. God, uh, we have a, a young child being baptized at the main campus because Andy John had already started investing in that kid and had shared with him a year ago and he just wasn't quite ready. So you're going to get to see that baptism next week, uh, which is cool. I'm going to see it here. Amen. And so that's what we've been praying. If, if God's laid on your heart, I'm a Christian, but I've never been baptized. We'd love to walk you through that. Uh, we believe baptism is a huge step of obedience for a believer. And we want to talk to you about why and how you can take that step here, all right? And the, second, and the third thing, some of you may not, um, you may be thinking, man, I, I'd love to share Jesus with somebody, but I don't know what to share. And it may be because 
before you can share what God has done in your life, you've got to let Him do something, right? You've got to let Him change you. And we would love to talk with you today about how Jesus Christ came and fixed the brokenness that was going on in the world by taking our sins within Himself, dying, and then being raised to new life. We would love to talk with you about how He can change your life because He's changed ours. During this time of response, you can come talk to me or we've got two uh, counselors at the back that would love to talk with you as well. Um, but we just want you to respond in whatever way. You might want to come to the altar. You might want to pray right where you are. Whatever you need to do, this is your time. I want to pray. We're going to all stand after that, and you can respond as God leads. Father God, we thank you, God, that uh, you did not leave us to our own to make a mess of things more than we already do, but you sent Jesus to make it right. God, to save us from, the, from our sins, God, to save us from an eternity separated from you and to be brought into uh, spiritual light, to, to have a relationship with the God who created everything, all through Jesus' blood. Father, we're thankful for that. God, I pray that today as we've talked about evangelism, God, that our hearts are stirred to be obedient to this. And God, our prayer is that you continue to work in and through the people of Lindsay Lane East and that we can impact our world together. We love you and we pray over this time of response. It's in Jesus' name I pray.